at a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investor, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023 edition, and appreciate you all tuning in. I'm Justin Klein. I'm here today on today's radio show and podcast to help you make the most of your capital to maximize your investment strategies, to avoid the pitfalls, and make consistent good decisions with your money. And I look forward to doing this show because I enjoy hearing your finance and investment questions. And big news today, in fact, uh, probably the biggest news uh, ever on, on the show, is that last night we surpassed a total of 50 million podcast downloads since it all began. And that's just podcast downloads. We go even further back with uh, just a straight up uh, radio show. But that was last night. And it's all because of you. Appreciate you all tuning in consistently and telling your friends about us and just growing our, our listener base, our audience, and our reach. So uh, thank you to each and every one of you. Now, today I want to touch a bit on... A learning lesson. Uh, it took me a while, but it's a lesson that uh, I continue to uh, apply when I'm looking at the different companies. Um, and that is the type of companies and their business models. And really, you always have to go back to the basics when you're analyzing companies and realize, or analyzing stocks and realizing that this is ownership in a business. So that means you need to understand the business. And some business, businesses are simple. Some businesses are very complex. The simple ones are usually the better investments. And a hallmark of those great businesses typically are something most people don't consider. And that is how capital intensive that business is. Now, I touch on this a lot when I get calls on car companies, especially these EV companies. A lot of them hit markets over the last five to seven years or so. And they're exciting. They're interesting. They're sexy. But they're also very capital intensive. Just think of the millions and millions of dollars that go into building out these plants that produce highly complex end products. And they're selling those products into a highly competitive industry. Whether that's electric vehicles or your standard internal combustion engine vehicles. Either way, it's highly competitive. And that highly competitive part goes back to my lesson a week or two ago about supply. It's better to invest in businesses that 
don't have a lot of asset growth because they're not out there competing with others to, you know, build a, a bunch of new iterations every five years like car companies are. And when you are capital intensive, a lot of things can go wrong. Then you had a cyclical business on top of that, which car companies are. It's just literally one of the worst businesses out there. And so when you're, and that's just one example. There are many examples of companies that are highly capital intensive and others that are not so much. And you can think of, you can think of things like fixed assets, like print, plant, property, and equipment, but also working capital. Right? If, you, if you have to carry a ton of inventory all the time in relation to your end cash flow and earnings, that's also highly capital intensive. So there's a lot of different types of capital that a company uh, can need. And so I wanted to touch on that a bit because I always want to give you these little learning lessons that can that you can take and start applying when you're thinking about different businesses. Okay. So hope that helped. Uh, I'm excited for today's show. And hopefully that's a lesson that can help guide you one lesson that can help guide you through this changing market environment. You've seen that, uh, especially over the past year and a half, two years, and even the last six months, right? We had a kind of a washout in October, we've had a rally into early part of this month and now we're having a bit of a setback in the market and a lot of this has to do with vacillating economic data that comes in uh, a fed that whose outlook is ebbing and flowing with market sentiment with that economic data uh, and that creates a lot of volatility and so that's what we're here to help and so our goal is to shape your thinking so you can become a more successful investor. So our phone lines are open. As always, toll-free, 888-99-CHART. So I've got a lot of material to cover with you on today's show. My main focus point concerns the story behind this question. What are option income funds and are they here to stay? They are become a little bit pretty popular after last year's performance overall. And the big question is, is just the fad. What is the what are the upside and the downside of these types of strategies? So we're going to look at that. Also, we had some earnings after the bell yesterday, and it was from ZipRecruiter, and they had some interesting things to say about the job market. Remember, we had the big job number, five hundred thousand jobs created in January, but ZipRecruiter, I think of it a lot like FedEx and UPS, who they have a very strong data set on movement of goods throughout our economy. ZipRecruiter, the same thing. A lot of these uh, online recruiting uh, names, they have real-time data on companies, company hiring practices, both large and small and medium. So uh, what they said about the market or about the jobs market is going to be very interesting. So we're going to look at that. Also, office landlords are defaulting. So this is where probably the biggest risks in the credit markets are right now is in uh, that office market. So we're going to look at that. And then profitability. We are pretty much through earnings season. Let's take a look 
back at the fourth quarter and how did companies, not just earnings come in, but profit margins overall, because we all know that is a very important measurement as opposed to just simply that, uh, that earnings per share. All right. So we're going to look at that. Also has some voice bank questions ready to play. One is on Taiwan Semiconductor and the other Blackstone Alternative Multi-Strategy Fund and some iTunes review questions as well. So I have an action-packed hour for you today. And of course, we're taking your live calls at 888 chart Let's take a look at the market today. We had the S&P that was down about six points. We rallied kind of late in the day after, remember, yesterday's big, big sell-off. So a bit of a follow-through. Today was the Fed meeting and not a whole lot uh, of a surprise there. Uh, the market reacted a bit negatively, uh, but the dollar, that was uh, a bit stronger. You had the 10-year. That pulled back just a, a bit, down three basis points on the day. Uh, so nothing that I'm seeing is really saying the market is, this market, this recent uptrend is broken. Uh, credit spreads aren't really widening out. The dollar is gaining some strength, but it's not really powering uh, through any major resistance points. Uh, which would be a worry for me if that was happening. So, so far, it's your run-of-the-mill pullback amongst uh, in the midst of a, a, a modest uh, rally, uh, you know, kind of a, a slow-motion rally from uh, the October lows. Um, so that's where we're at today, and we obviously uh, will keep you abreast on everything tomorrow. Now, the stock market is constantly changing, changing, and I'm guessing that you have at least one or two finance investment questions that you'd like answered, and of course, we are here for them. So... You set the agenda. My phone lines are ready for you to call right now on Best Talk at 888 chart Get ready for a new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar. Value Investing. Positioning your portfolio for profitability, relative price, and dividend payments. The Wealth Webinar will be a crash course on how to structure your value portfolios providing real examples with assessment tools that KPP Financial uses every day to grow clients' wealth. The webinar will be anchored by KPP Financial CEO and InvestTalk host, Justin Klein, and by KPP Financial Portfolio Manager, Luke Guerrero. Mark your calendar for Wednesday, March 22nd from 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific Time. You are invited to a new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar. Be sure to tell your friends and family members it's free and you can register now at investtalk.com. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Tim from LA. I have a 401k at my work, and the only mid-cap fund they have there is the Vanguard Mid-Cap Index Fund. I was wondering what your thoughts were on this fund. Uh, currently, it's 20% of my portfolio, and the other 80% is in a S&P 500 let me know your thoughts. Thank you. Bye. All right, looking at the Vanguard Mid-Cap Index Fund. Now, the good thing is this is very low fee, five basis point 
expense ratio. So that's good. And longer term, mid cap is kind of the best risk versus reward. Now, small caps outperform over the long term, uh, but mid caps tend to be a lot less volatile. Uh, and so that's a good place to be kind of happy medium between those, those mega caps and, and, and pretty volatile uh, small caps. Now, if you look at the breakdown of the sectors here, you still have about 17% in technology, a bit high for, for my liking. 13% industrials, which is good. 5.7% in energy, would like that to be a bit higher. Basic materials at five, I'd also like that to be a bit higher. So an improvement over the sector allocation within the larger cap indices like the S&P, but still good, right? So uh, I know it's in your 401k, you probably don't have a lot of options. Morningstar has this as four out of five stars. So it'd be pretty good, right? Low fee, you get broad base exposure, both large, or sorry, both growth and value uh, type of names. So it's good. Would I like it to be more, to, to lean more on the value side? Absolutely. Would I like you to be able to have this in an IRA and pick from uh, a larger data set of, of, of funds and individual uh, securities? Absolutely. But being limited within your 401k, you know, it's not the end of the world. This is a pretty good place to allocate uh, a lot of your assets, especially if you're relatively young, you're aggressive. This is a good uh, place to be. Thanks for the call. That was Vanguard Midcap Index VIMAX. Now let's touch a bit on some different types of funds, and that is in regards to option income funds. And these are basically cover call strategies. And I'm not sure if you know if, what a cover call strategy is, but basically you're buying a, a security and you're selling upside call options on that security to produce more income. And that mellows out the volatility, but it can limit the upside if the market's really roaring higher. Now this was kind of all the rage in the 80s, okay? But it lost favor uh, because what happened was they mainly used it in the government bond market when interest rates are very high and you would, you would get a lot of income from those uh, bonds and then you would also sell call options. But problem was is if interest rates dropped a lot, which they did consistently really throughout the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, uh, and every time you sell a call option, you were giving up some sort of a gain. So in, in a trending market like the bond market from the early 80s until uh, almost recently, selling a call option against the securities isn't the greatest thing. So that's why they kind of think they kind of lost favor. But just to pull back here, option incomes funds, once again, they, they, they own the underlying stock and they sell uh, call options against those equity positions. And then they take those premiums that they're getting from the call options and they distribute to shareholders. Okay. And a lot of them pay out high yields. And so people naturally, they just are attracted to that yield. And that's all they focus on. Reality, the yield is, you know, is it a yield? Is it, is it a, just a short-term capital gain? What is it exactly? It's hard to really classify, to be honest with you. Uh, but after the break, I'm going to break down all of uh, these type of funds and kind of the, the pros and cons, because with everything, there are things that are great about it, and there's drawbacks as well. Now, we're moving into a break. My phone lines are open, waiting for you. So give us a call now on Talk at 888-99-CHART. Sure. 
Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy, discipline, and the right information. That means you'll have finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is ready to provide his unbiased answers. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Now, before the break, I touched a bit on what these option income funds are, basically covered call strategies. And they did very well during this recent downturn, especially if you look at them compared to uh, a lot of other types of funds. The Vanguard total stock market was down about 19.6% last year. The Vanguard balance, which has a lot of bonds in the portfolio, that is typically a good hedge during a down market like last year, that was down about 17% on average. But the average derivative income fund, fund, the average covered call strategy, was down a little less than 10% on the year. So it had about half the downside volatility of an all-equity portfolio. And there were there are many that were down kind of mid-single digits. Uh, we, have a, we have one, uh, Equity Income Plus, that kind of similar to that, right? Mid, low to mid-single digits last year. And so these funds are all the rage at the moment. Because you're looking at that equity exposure, but not the downside capture that uh, many saw with uh, equities last year. Now, let's examine how these have performed over the years. Now, Morningstar calls them derivative income funds. And the thing is, it's hard to find a lot of data because there's only about nine that have survived or been around for at least 10 years, okay? And these are ones that pay out over 7% of their portfolio uh, each year. Now, the way to think about these is really not to compare them with the broad market or to compare them with a balanced fund, right? Your, your standard 60-40 portfolio because they're not either. When you are selling call options, what you're doing is hedging a bit on the downside in a choppy market, it's going to do well. And that's what you saw last year. And during the time when bonds don't do really well, where your standard 60-40 yin and yang between stocks and bonds don't work, it's also going to outperform. And that's what you saw last year. So it's just a different way to lower volatility in your equity exposure. You still capture upside, but in a very highly trending market to the upside, it's not going to do quite as well as just owning equities. So you have to understand what you're getting yourself into. Don't think that it's a panacea. Know that while there are years like 2022, there are other years where the market is booming and just straight out owning equities is going to be better. So the moral of the story here is understand what you own and see whether that fits with your view of the marketplace. Now, I'm in the view that we're probably in a longer term period of kind of choppiness uh, because of higher interest rates, because of higher inflation. And it's going to be much more difficult to find very good equity returns in markets over the next decade. Now, it doesn't mean there can't be years where... You know, we're up 20, 30%. Probably going to be those years. 
And in those years, uh, covered call strategy is going to underperform. But it can be a, a great tool in your toolbox. And I've always said too, is it's not just about the covered call strategy, but it's, but it's about the underlying securities that you're owning. That's what's most important. And so ones that are leading the value side of the market last year and were selling cover calls did a lot better than those that were, you know, uh, go look at the, the one that tracks the cues. Still did pretty bad last year. Not quite as bad as the cues, but pretty bad. So don't think of these as a panacea. Understand the risk that you're getting into. Let's go to Bill in Walnut Creek looking at HLT. Thanks for taking my call, Justin. Sure. Looking at Hilton Worldwide. Hilton Worldwide is uh, something I've held in a diversified portfolio for about a year. And just uh, I, I would expect better coming out of the pandemic for a hotel uh, company like this. And just want to get your thoughts on what you would do to hold it going forward, or is it not worth holding? Just get rid of it. Well, it, it looks, looks pretty rich, if you're asking me. Uh, I'm supposed to make $5.70 this year. At $144 per share, that's nearly a 30 multiple or high 20s multiple. It's pretty high. And while their leisure business has come back uh, in spades, they do have a pretty good sizable business uh, in, the, in the business community, which really hasn't uh, come back all that well. So if I'm looking at this technically, it doesn't look that great. It's rallied from the from the, the July lows, uh, but it's really just in a longer term kind of uh, choppy period where and earnings have been going up. So why is why is that? Um, you know, it's just not a name that gets me super excited to be honest with you. Uh, let me look at some other data points here. Yeah, they don't have a lot of debt. That's a positive. They have plenty of room to increase the dividend. I don't think dividends an issue, but enterprise value even right now is twenty. It's pretty high uh, for a name like this. So, uh, you know, I, I it wouldn't be a name that I would probably keep around. I think you have better alternatives. Thanks for the call. Now, the next invest stock, I will look at this story: investing in a time of poly crisis. There's a theory that postulates that since our problems are interconnected and mutually exacerbating, it may be of limited use to focus on one at the expense of others. And those problems obviously do affect investors. That's tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process. 
designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. The stock market is constantly changing. And now with more than 50 million downloads, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley reaffirm their commitment to providing unbiased finance and investment guidance here on InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Mac in Cabo San Lucas. I just got back from there. Uh, I know it's, uh, it's pretty warm, warmer than here, that's for sure. And you're looking at Foot Locker, correct? That's correct. Okay. Do you own it or looking to buy it? I own it, and I'm up quite a bit. And I was wondering uh, if I should hold it or, uh, I don't know, it looks like supports at 40 Maybe buy more there. I, I, <laughs> what do you think of Foot Locker? Yeah, you're correct. That support is right around 40. That's the 50-day moving average, as well as uh, the, the previous peaks from when it kind of consolidated late last year into uh, early this year, and then broke out in late January and pulling back a little bit, but n- nothing, no problem there. Earnings are expected to be $4.48 this year. Now, it's down 40% from $7.47 this year, but you're still talking about a forward-looking multiple 10 times. That's, that's not too bad. Now, their, their business was decelerating uh, pretty dramatically um, through uh, the end of last year. And the market was kind of pricing that in. And clearly, it's not as bad, at least, as the, the market was, uh, was prognosticating. Uh, and so that's why the, that's been uh, pretty strong. Uh, I believe they also had an issue with uh, Nike uh, pulling out. And I think Nike kind of came back on that, uh, whether or not completely pulling out. So that's a good thing for uh, Foot Locker. Overall... Uh, the technicals are fine. It's not necessarily expensive. Uh, it certainly has a, a niche within the, the, the footwear, footwear and p- apparel space that I think does have value. Uh, and so it's one of the, I guess, stronger retailers that are out there, uh, most consistently profitable, uh, even though that profitability does, uh, does swing pretty wildly. But their five-year median return at equity is 19.6%. That's pretty high. I like that. So I'm going to give... Good. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. I would, I would hold it for now um, as long as the technicals remain strong, which they do. Uh, I would just continue to hold it. And you're right. There is support right around $40 per share. I have a technical question. Sure. Is that, is, could that be considered a cup and handle from like the middle of September starting out the cup and uh, the handle through like uh, the beginning of the year? Hmm. I think that's a that's a very that's loose a, uh, that's a loose application okay. of a cup and handle pattern. Yeah, I would just really I, I don't really love the idea of cup and handles because really all you're talking about in the handle part is bullish consolidation, right? Up move, kind of a, a, a steady consistent pullback, and then usually usually have continuation from there. 
So that's what you're seeing so far. You're seeing bullish consolidation, modest pullback, especially in a weak market, not unexpected. Nothing wrong with it uh, technically. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for the call. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we have like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Now, Analog Post-it says, I have a multi-million dollar 401k account. It is invested in a mutual fund, which now costs me more than $20,000 per year due to the expense ratio. The fund has a low turnover rate, 14%, and has more than 50% of its assets in 10 equities. Question, I could utilize a brokerage account in the 401k plan and purchase 10 equities, rebalance once a quarter, and save $20,000 per year. I would exercise this method for at least five years. What major weaknesses do you see with this plan? Well, first off, 10 equities is not nearly diversified enough. Now, I don't know what mutual fund you're looking at exactly, uh, but hopefully it's uh, diversified beyond uh, just those 10. Like you said, 50% is in the top 10, but that means 50% is in a lot of others as well. So you're going to be much more diversified uh, in, in that mutual fund. Now, what I would say is build out a, a list of 25, 30 different names. Maybe it's including those 10. And then opt into the brokerage account within your 401k and run that strategy. 10, once again, not enough. I like that you're trying to get around the, the fees, especially when you have multi-million dollars. I think uh, that's, that's a good idea to think about that. But executing on a strategy that's more diversified uh, would be key. And, and number two, I would say try to roll it out of that 401k if you can. You have multi-million dollars. You're probably not in your, your 30s or 40s. I would imagine you're maybe into your... Late 50s, 60s, if, remember, if you're over 59 and a half, you should be able to do an in-service rollover into an IRA. Then you can invest in whatever you want, have a lot more flexity, flexibility there. So I would also uh, consider that plan. All right. Thanks for the call. Now, I want to touch on a, an earnings announcement. I don't usually do this, talking about one particular company and their earnings announcement. But to me, it really, really shed some light on the jobs market. And... Ever since we had that big jobs number uh, at the beginning of this month for the month of January of 500,000 plus additional jobs, there has been an increasing expectation that the Fed is going to tighten for longer and keep rates higher for longer. And I just think that's a bit off base from if you're looking at the underlying economic activity of uh, the PMIs and ISM surveys that just say, you know, nothing's horrible, but nothing's going gangbusters anymore, right? There's kind of in a, 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 a low growth, very low growth uh, type of environment, maybe a, a neutral uh, economy. But the jobs market, which is historically very lagging, it's not a economic data point that tells you a lot about where the economy is going. It mainly tells you about where the economy has been or maybe is right now. Okay, and if you, I, I, you can look at UPS, FedEx. They have a, a, a lot of data on where companies are moving goods, uh, how many people are buying things. But companies like ZipRecruiter, they have strong insight into what employers are doing, and their earnings were pretty bad. In fact, it was down twenty two point six percent today, and they said employers have slowed down their hiring cutting down on the company's January revenue. They said, quote, with an increasingly uncertain economic backdrop, employers have moderated their hiring plans and reduced their recruiting recruitment budgets in the first weeks of this year. 
Online job postings in our marketplace remain in line with the low point of the 2022 holiday season. Rather than following the long-standing seasonal pattern of beginning to run up in January, that weakness is more pronounced among small and medium-sized businesses. And they see January revenue down 15% year over year. They see first quarter revenue down between 23 and 20 and 23% year on year and full year company revenue guidance between down 15 to uh, 13 to 15% from last year. So this is a pretty strong indication that, hey, they're seeing this real time. They're seeing what companies are posting, what jobs are coming off the board quickly, uh, how quickly they're accepting uh, new employees, et cetera. So they have strong insight into, into this. And so this is why I say when, the, when you see data that, oh, the Fed's going to be tightening for longer and, 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 and higher, uh, I just don't really buy that. It, 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 a lot of talk about, oh, maybe they do 50 basis points next meeting or the meeting after. I just see no need for that. Inflation continues to cool. You're going to get some, some jagged moves there. Um, but the general trend remains down and uh, the the market, especially the jobs market, which has really been their focus, right? Something that is driving inflation, that's really the main driver right now is wage inflation. And if you're seeing the job market decelerating quickly, like ZipRecruiter has, then that's also going to fall on the back burner as well. Now, let's keep things moving forward and pivot to the best stock voice bank for a question that came in earlier from Maine on 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Andrew from Maine calling with a question for Justin. Taiwan Semiconductor got up on my radar because of the announcement a couple of months ago about Berkshire Hathaway taking a large position in it. And I was looking into it. It appears to have strong return on invested capital historically, as well as a strong return on equity and a strong balance sheet. The valuation is a thing I have a question about. I'm curious about your point of view on whether they've been over-earning over the last few years and whether the forward-looking P.E. ratio is solid or not based on analyst views. Currently, they look to be a good valuation, but if they've in fact been over-earning and they revert to the mean on earnings to 2019-ish, then I would say it's overvalued right now, not undervalued. So I'm curious about what your viewpoint is about whether or not this is a, a good value to buy into at this time or not. Thanks. Well, your last point is definitely true, right? If they revert back to 2019 earnings of $2.19, this is drastically overvalued. That's a big if, uh, but things are certainly trending that way. Like Last year, earnings were $6.39. This year, earnings are expected to be down 13% to $5.58. And your original point about Berkshire, yes, a few months back, they did buy a bunch of shares, but they've also sold off now 86% of that position. So they kind of flipped in pretty short order. So it's clearly they're seeing things that maybe they don't love about it. And uh, this really goes back to my discussion a couple weeks ago about supply. When you have limited supply within the industry and chip foundries have been in low supply throughout the world, and the main ones, the biggest one, has been in Taiwan, which is Taiwan Semiconductor. Now you have the CHIPS Act that was passed, what, late last year, and it's incentivizing bringing chip production back here to the U.S. So what does that mean? There's going to be a lot more supply of 
chip production here and elsewhere in the world. And so I really think that the kind of lock on, on supply, the, the, the economic moat that Taiwan Semiconductor has had for many years, that is, I think, slowly going to be eroded over time. Uh, now, it doesn't mean they can't be a good investment. I just don't see it being this, this home run like it, like it has been. So, uh, and then you have the slowdown in demand for physical goods. Remember, that was what drove the chip shortage in 2020, 2021, even uh, early last year, was there's so much demand for physical goods. And as that continues to ebb, the demand for end chips is not going to be there. And there's going to be oversupply in the industry, over capacity or too much capacity uh, for production. And that's why you're seeing earnings coming down. And I think that's going to continue. So not a name that gets me jazzed up because uh, I don't like the trend in their economic moat. Thanks for the call. Now, there's no denying that we are in a new market environment. And that means that you need to be prepared. Prepared for your retirement day. Your ultimate day of financial freedom. And that starts... With every day, making good investment decisions, having the right plan in place to get to your end goal. And you need updated strategies to get there. So it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of some of the ways that you can talk with us directly, myself and Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, where we operate the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. So There, we implement unbiased guidance, both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing, which means you invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio view assessment via telephone or go to a meeting and send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP Financial Irvine office at 800-557-5461. Sooner you reach out to us, sooner we get connected, the sooner we can get your portfolio optimized. Now let's grab a live call real quick. It's Roger from the Bay Area looking at EQT. Yeah. Hi, Justin. Uh, yeah, I was looking for some reasonably valued energy team and uh, mm-hmm. came across uh, EQT, which is consolidating between 30 and 32 over the past month. Wanted to know what you feel about this company and is the current price a good one to dive into? All right, looking at EQT Corporation. This is an independent natural gas producer, mainly out of uh, the Marcellus and Utica Shale basins in the Appalachian uh, Mountains in the eastern United States. That's where a lot of our natural gas supply comes from. And so they're going to be highly correlated with where natural gas prices are going. And obviously, natural gas prices recently have have come down. Uh, And so the equities have come down. This is uh, peaked out late last year around 52. Now we're down to about 32. Earnings, though, this year expect to be $4.22, up 36%. From last year, next year, another 40% increase in earnings to $5.90. So if they actually hit that, that's pretty cheap, right? You're talking about a five uh, forward-looking multiple. So uh, I I like this name. It is near some major support here, right around $30 per share. Uh, Not a huge dividend, but I'm fine with that. Uh, Let me look at their debt levels. Yeah, modest debt level, only about $4 billion in net debt, a little less than that. Trading at three and a half times enterprise value to EBITDA. Uh, I'm going to give EQT a thumbs up. If you're looking for oil, for natural gas producers, this is the one. Not oil, but natural gas. Let's go to Nick in Manhattan Beach looking at FLNG. 
Hi, yeah, I'm calling in about uh, this company um, in the same vein, Natural Gas. It's a uh, transporter. They uh, have like a fleet of ships that transports LNG around the world, mm-hmm. and I think it would be a good bet given that the uh, Nord Stream pipeline has been effectively destroyed mm-hmm. by, it looks like, the uh, U.S. Navy. So these guys could pick up the slack, and I think they'll profit. And they've got uh, very strong numbers to boot uh, historically. So I wondered what, are, what your thought would be a good price to buy it at. Yeah, this is uh, Flex LNG, and you're right. They transport liquefied natural gas worldwide. And mainly this is a big beneficiary of the Ukraine war and the fact that hey, they need to import a lot of natural gas, mainly from here in the United States. Now natural gas here is, is pretty cheap, so it uh, doesn't shock me that um, they're doing well. Uh, obviously, this is going to ebb and flow, though, with geopolitical concerns, and so that's why I don't love it. Uh, I do think they will continue to do well. Uh, that 8.9% dividend will probably continue to be paid uh, as long as that happens, but as soon as the economics behind LNG turn, which they all they eventually do, uh, this won't do very well. But for the time being, the trend's fine. You can stick with it. But this isn't a name that you buy long-term. This is more for a trade uh, during uh, this uh, geopolitical time. That was Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we're heading into our final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. Long-time listener of the show here and love all the stuff you guys teach us. Thank you very much for the show. I have a quick question for you. A fund I've been looking at here, the ticker symbol, I believe, is BXMIX. I think it's a Blackstone fund. It appears to invest in a variety of things to get good market returns. I'm not sure if it pays a dividend. Do you guys know much about this fund, or I'll listen on the show for anything you can tell me about it, really. I'm wondering if it would be a good investment, because it does invest in a wide variety of things to get stable returns, but I can't find a lot of things about it when I do research for it, so I'll wait to hear from you on the show, and hopefully I can learn some more about it. And I'm wondering if this would be something you guys would ever consider investing in. Thank you for your help. Have a good day. All right, this is the Blackstone Alternative Multi-Strategy iFund. BXMIX is the symbol. And the first thing that stands out is the expense ratio. 3.21%. Yeah, let me let me state that again. I know that sounds weird, but it's true. The expense ratio is 3.21%. So the first, the answer to your last question is, would we invest in this? Absolutely not. Right, 3.2% for any fund is extremely high, much less a mutual fund. Now, this is investing in multi-strategy, a lot of hedge funds. It's basically what you're getting exposure to. You're getting broad exposure, probably fairly diversified. You are 34% U.S. equity, 7% non-U.S. equity, 21% fixed income, 17% other, 18% cash. So you're getting charged 3.5% on, on a lot of cash. Um, so just very spread out. Uh, let's look at the performance with that 3.2% yield. Not yield, excuse me, expense ratio. There is no dividend, zero, zero dividend. Year to date, it is yielding about 
not great, considering the market uh, is up much more than that. Last year was down only 4.6%. So I guess you could say it was it was good last year compared to an all equity portfolio, but it should be, right? It has a lot of cash and other types of, uh, of investments. For 2021, though, only at 5.2%. The S&P year was up, you know, equities were up a high 20% range. This is only up five. So yeah, in a bad market, that equity market, this is going to outperform because I'm sure it has some uh, long short strategies, maybe some uh, just straight up short strategies. But longer term, this isn't that great. It's 10-year, let's see, it's five years. It hasn't been that long. It's five-year annualized return, 1.35%. Let me repeat that, 1.35% over the past five years. This is one of the worst mutual funds I've ever seen. So if I could short it, I'd probably short it. But you can't short a mutual fund. So absolutely not. I would not touch BXMIX. Now, lastly, let's touch on the property market, especially commercial property. And there have been some big foreclosures as of late. Brookfield Asset Management defaulted on $750 million in debt for a pair of 52-story towers in Los Angeles. Real estate firm XRX, they negotiated restructuring on debt of 61 Broadway, 34-story tower in Manhattan, and about five to 10 office towers each month join the list of properties that are at risk of defaulting due to low occupancy, expiring leases, maturing debt that can't really be refinanced at these higher rates. And this is mainly driven by weak return to office rates. And so you continue to see kind of the slow slog lower due to a shifting economic environment and landlords have been able to stay current for a lot of mortgages because office leases tend to last a long time, 10 years or more. And a lot of them are willing to extend expiring. uh, A lot of lenders are willing to extend expiring mortgages as well. Now delinquency rates for office loans backed by commercial mortgage backed securities uh, rose by a quarter of a percentage point to 1.83% at the largest increase since December of 2021. And the what was the real estate firm Cushion Wakefield, they project that the U.S. will end the decade with about 1.1 billion square feet of vacant space compared to 6.88 million square feet in 2009, pre-pandemic. And about half, uh, the number of employees returning to office rate has plateaued at around half what it was pre-pandemic. So you continue to see weakness in the office, uh, commercial office space. And so if you're looking at REITs that have a lot of exposure there, be very careful. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. That's official. We have now surpassed 50 million podcast downloads. Thanks to you. We have a special surprise coming up tomorrow, so be on the lookout for that. On our socials, independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. 
Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.